1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. My name's Emmett Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, do all the fun stuff there. Very excited for today's guest, CJ Miles, former Raptor, NBA vet, been doing it for a long, long time, and he is an expert in this category, which is shooting. CJ, how you doing, man?
0: I'm good, man. How are you? you doing? Good?
1: Yeah, I'm doing solid. Enjoying the summertime. Enjoying some some time off. Um, every time I look at your IG, it seems like you are working out. So you are grinding. <laughs> um,
0: but I mean, at this point in my life, like uh, working out is is a part of my life. So I don't think that's ever really going to go away. Um, I know it's associated with you know obviously my profession. I've done it for a long time, so it looks like you know that it's only for that. But I, I truly enjoy it, just you know being in shape, feeling good. So.
1: Was that always a part of you, or do you think because of uh, your your I, your experience? Yeah, yeah.
0: I think I, I got I got better over time. I started to, um, you know, just realize how much better I felt. And then when I wasn't where I where I wasn't in shape like I was and how I felt, and I started to not like that. I started to not like that feeling. Yeah, and not, especially knowing where I could be, and then knowing wanting to know how much further I could get from that space. So if uh-huh. it became thing and then um one of my biggest things too is like you know you want to be as healthy and 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 happy as long as you can be so that's the other thing i want to keep moving as long as i can because i feel like the second i stop that's when it's going to start <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not like that for everyone though i'm not going to name any names but we've seen other nba players as soon as they end their careers or i'm not saying that you're you're done with your career but as soon as they stop playing basketball they're like well gonna let loose gonna Get the beers in and get the food in, because they've been doing it for so long.
0: They've yeah, been- I, I think, uh, I get it too. But I think, um, I think the, my outlook on it changed, which is why that's not a, gonna be a part of me. I think yeah. for so long, you know, it does feel like it's just part of the job. Like I gotta work out. I gotta be in this shape. I gotta train. I gotta do this. Um, I think, um, during the pandemic, because I was coming off those two surgeries, mm. they, just, they were minor, but they took time. So. I had time to really find that space where, you know, it was became more for me than anything because I wasn't playing. I wasn't under contract. Um, I had got weighed by the widges because I wasn't gonna be healthy in time to help them. So they needed to get sure. a fresh body in there. Um, so you know, I had every reason to kind of just sit. And for a while I had to. And during that space, I was like, I don't, I I hate this feeling.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't and I wanna make sure I don't get that feeling again.
1: I also know you're a girl dad, hashtag girl dad. So yeah. you're doing it for them. I can relate to that. I got a daughter of my own. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so with CJ, as I alluded to earlier, we are gonna talk about shooting, um, full disclosure this happened because he happened to comment on something that I'd noticed about Scotty Barnes' jump shot. And I'm like, hey, CJ, do you want to hop on a podcast and talk about shooting and the mechanics and all the fun little intricacies of becoming a good shooter? And graciously, he decided to say, yeah, let's talk about a shooting. So um, kind of a cool little how that worked out. Normally it's a little bit more official through emails I, and I, stuff I like that.
0: This to come from that tweet. Oh, What's <laughs> that? I didn't expect any of this to come from that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Not, not to make it sound like it's a burning or anything. I'm just saying, like, I had no idea a bunch of people were gonna hit me up about it. I had no idea a bunch of people were gonna. <laughs> I, but I just saw it and reacted to it. Um, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad there's yeah, you know, from it, and it's just gonna be fun. And you know, but that was that was really funny. Actually.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. And like, that's kind of my grind is that you're know, hoping something like that, like a little tweet to a, a, a player is going to work out and end up being like this. I am actually curious because I had no idea until I did some research on this that you went to the NBA right out of high school.
0: Yes, yeah. I was the, the last year um, that they allowed yeah. it. Um, so that's one thing, you know, that's that's kind of cool, you know, being part of something that can't be really done anymore, even though the league is still getting younger somehow. But uh, <laughs> uh, and they have all the other ways you can go about it now with the ignite and which I spent some time with. Um, yeah, guys are going overseas now. Um, you know, just trying to gain some experience before they step in, and I, I think it makes sense for some guys. Um, and I think for some guys, they need the college experience.
1: Then hmm. you spent a couple of years in the the D League, which in some ways was kind of your college experience, although obviously very different. You're playing yeah. against um, grown men
0: on the team that was sending me back and forth though so I wasn't just on. so i got both sides of it
1: true and then you made that uh, well you got the offer sheet from okc and then utah's like okay well if that's gonna happen then i guess we gotta sign cj to a long-term contract and that worked out pretty well for you because you had a great career in utah too
0: yes um we talked about we were talking about it in the gym the other day it's almost like i had like three careers like (laughs) just because of (laughs) because that first seven years in utah and then there's like the middle between Cleveland, Indiana, and then there's Toronto when you get yeah. there and it seems like another chapter. Um and um that was it's been fun, you know.
1: Yeah, no question. Um, any regrets about the the decision to to go right out, right out of high school? Or do you feel like I mean you don't have the college experience to compare it to, but do you feel like still that was uh the best course of action?
0: Um, I mean, being totally honest, like as an adult, as a thirty-five year old man now, um like Talent wise, yes, I was ready to to, to play. Like I, I had the skill set, I had a few skills that I thought that that translated well like mentally, mm-hmm. but how could I be? Um, it's just you go from being the, the man, the best guy, yeah. and every pretty much you walk in to being told you're not good enough right now. Mm-hmm. Never heard those words in your life. And it doesn't matter how hard I'm working because there's just a the curve that I gotta catch up, and then there's just guys that have experience that. No matter how talented the kid is, that experience is going to trump it at some point. Especially yeah. when you go to play for the late great Jerry Sloan, Guy Reddington. So, um, you know, he we know how he felt about young guys. That was he was adamant about it. <laughs> like that was, and I just happened to be the youngest guy in jazz history walking in the building. So that yeah. wasn't going to change because I could run and jump and shoot the basketball. Um, So I mean, I I I think it was hard, but I don't regret any of it. I think it. The route that i took made me you know the man i am it showed me a lot of things i had to learn about myself um hmm. and i don't we don't know if me going to college and becoming a round pick leads to me playing 16 years sure like maybe my route had to be that way for me to learn how to play 16 years so i think it's i think it's all everything happens the way it's supposed to yeah
1: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right when you think about so I don't. I wouldn't classify you as a shooter because you did a lot more than that. You could get to the basket. You could attack closeouts. You could definitely dunk on people because there is a highlight reel that exists of you doing that. But how did you kind of create that niche where you said that you know? shooting is going to be how I'm going to attack on the offensive end. When did that switch happen? When did you realize that that was something that you were really, really good at?
0: Um, so through my Utah years, I was, I was, I could shoot it, but I was streaky. I was, I was much more of a, a scorer, if you will. Like I was like the, the, but I was always the third or fourth option on the floor all the time. So that, um. so one of the things coming from being in that spacing was to give my team more spacing and to get myself more opportunities, I needed to be able to shoot the ball better from that clip and with better range and, mm-hmm. you know, off the move just different options of things because I wanted to play more, but I needed to figure out the different ways I could help my team. It wasn't what I could do. I knew I could do other things, but it was what did my team need? My yeah. team needed me to do this, not go get mad because <laughs> they won't let me do what I think I can do. Um, so I wanted to create opportunities for myself. So that, over time became the thing that everybody needed. Everybody still needs it. You still everybody talking about it right now. And then uh, I got to Cleveland and Mike Brown sat me down. Mike Brown said to me the exact words. He was like, you shoot the ball too well for me to not see you spend more time on that part of your game. And that was the year after, that was right after I got out of Utah. And I had never thought about it that way. But then I think about, it. I'm playing with Darren Williams and and, and Carlos Boozer and at and that Andre Canlico, who's pretty much a bar handler at that time. Yeah. Then I go to Cleveland, I play with Kyrie Irving, who's definitely a ball handler. You know, in <laughs> son, Kyrie, where this is the molding of him and everything is kind of run through him and doing so. I was like, how do I help this team, myself, the players I'm on the floor with? And after Mike Brown set me down, it changed my focus on shooting. Like it, it changed my focus on footwork. It changed my focus on all the little, like you said, uh, tiny things that made such a big difference.
1: Was that a tough thing for you to to? To realize or to kind of grips with, because I would imagine, you know, like you talked about earlier, um, being told that this is how you are going to be effective versus you want to be able to do like, you know, these, this many things. They're saying, hone in on this and become great at work. Was it an easy transition or w- were you resistant?
0: No, that was easy for me because it was literally someone saying, Hey, here's how you can get more minutes. Yeah. That's the way I took it anyway. I took it as, Here's how you can make more opportunities for yourself. It's the one time you get to be selfish for your team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got you. Um, the better I am, the better we are type thing. And that was that was the way I took it and then it became now with all the work being put into it, translating that confidence to the game, to carry that threat of that threat of taking 12 threes in the game and not thinking twice about
1: it. It's kind of cool, too. <laughs> coach is like he shot 12 threes good
0: exactly <laughs> yeah. I, I had a i had another incident in um literally in indiana uh nagle miller he was our coach he we sat down and watched the film and he showed plays of what what my strengths were and what he thought for for this team and what he thought I should be doing and not doing and mm-hmm. it was breakdowns of me passing up threes basically um and that's a, There was another time you know just something some, if you don't get it now <laughs> like when yeah. are you gonna get it you know um and i think indiana is when i really carried that threat the the best and the and the, and the best way um with that and i felt I, I had a really good fit with that team
1: when i was looking at highlights of you there were so many cases where you could hear the commentators saying this guy like as soon as he gets going like he's off to the races and all of a sudden one three can become four five threes so When you became, like, decided that you are going to be a shooter, was there a person or people, I guess, that you modeled your game after or people that you were kind of trying to emulate because you wanted to be able to get the footwork down and the release down and so forth?
0: So first, like, my, like, my guy in this aspect of, like, the guy I watched and the guy I wanted to be, I wanted to be Ray Al. Gets a screen from Ravmanovic with nine, spins away from Grant, drives into the lane to the glass, goes up like that's who I wanted to be even earlier in my career. And, um, you know, early he didn't shoot as many threes, but no one was shooting the ball with the floor, a little bit of this. Little, I wanted to be able to be that complete. And yeah. then um, in Utah, we traded for Kyle Korver, and I took a lot from him just watching him. Um, it wasn't per se just like him giving me a book or anything, but I just watched him. I just watched the way he wound up for games. I watched Uh, things he did um, after practice and I shot with him a lot after practice and he might've kicked my tail for two weeks. But the second I started to win some games, that's his time. That's let me know that I'm, which way I'm going. Um, And then from there, it was just taking as much knowledge as I could about it. Anybody that I, any coach I was with, any player that was, that I was with that that did this and was in that field as far as shooting the basketball and really into the particulars, I took anything I could and I started making Routines out of the best things that worked for me, the things I didn't do naturally, and the things that sharpened the things I did do naturally.
1: What games were you playing with Kyle Korver?
0: It was literally just shooting games. We used, I mean, obviously from uh, obviously, but from free to allow me to play golf all the time, you know,
1: yeah,
0: uh, swish minus one misses, uh, you know, and we used to play all the time. And then there was just we there was more mid range shots shot after practice back then <laughs> because you were still shooting in the game. So we would start, we would just build our way out. We were first to five oh, yeah. or. Best out of seven, whatever it is at every spot, and then we just be a lot of shots and we just go around. Cause even the days that it wasn't so a game, it was still competitive, obviously. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, we might not yeah. be saying um, you know, first or whatever, but if we go into 10 together, I'm gonna try to make more of the 10 than you. Like, of that's,
1: course. That's yeah. <laughs> so, um,
0: I think that gave me an edge on shooting also because I I just wanted to beat him. Cause I was like, if I could be him, I could then be everybody. <laughs> like sure. um, yeah.
1: So so players really do count swishes?
0: Yeah, from the free throw line. I'm like that now. I don't stop. Like, when I finish a workout, I have to make um, it, I have to make three swishes in a row after, like, making 20 free throws to stop. So if I make 20 and then there's three swishes in a row after that, and that's how I end the workout. Don't make them. You mm-hmm. shoot them. You make three swishes in a row. Do
1: you guys ever count swishes
0: from three? Um... Uh, there's been times we do it, but it's not as um, it's harder. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it, it's not, it like it's not. It doesn't have so much weight on shooting games as yeah. like the free throw one would.
1: It's like little things like that. That's how you know NBA players are just built a little bit differently. Like we, you know, us norms, us pawns, <laughs> we're just counting. Kind of, oh, I got the basket. Oh, I got the ball in the hoop. Cool. But now you guys are counting swishes. That's different.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's 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 no different than you and your field in this right now. Yeah. Like I, craft the interview would take me i don't know it'd take me forever like or i wouldn't know what questions to ask or how to really make a conversation move in a manner people want to watch and hear me talk um you spend a lot of time doing that you studied it you had a lot of reps at it so if you come in the gym you're gonna see me do something that i've i've surpassed ten thousand hours by far yeah you know you know what i mean so like it's, it's the same thing I
1: remember Nick Nurse, uh, when I was talking to Danny Green back in December, yeah, December, and uh, he just by accident mentioned that Nick Nurse has like this term where you got to spend your 5,000 hours or 10,000 hours on something. And it doesn't matter what you're, you're doing, whether it's like for, for Nick, it was like learning to play with the guitar or whatever the case is, but you got to put your 10,000 hours in. All right, so how are they, how are shooters built differently? What's different about that?
0: I think you just, you got to... Um... There's a, there's a confidence you have to carry, I think, because, um, and you have to be a person that believes in your work and you have to work, but I mean, that's where the confidence comes from for me. Like I was a guy like, um, kind of overworked in that area because I wasn't, there's some guys that naturally that shooters become naturally to them. Like I could shoot the ball, but I wasn't per se a shooter. So I had to, I built myself into this, into this role, into these situations where I got to be called this and given these opportunities like this has come from literally from the ground up from changing my footwork to changing my release to changing the points to the pocket points I picked the ball up all of these things yeah this this is so um for me that's what that's where my confidence comes from because if I was able to if I've all that work that I've done there's no reason why I can't make this shot or there's no reason why me missing three should stop me from shooting the next three and don't get me wrong, like everybody goes through their ups and downs, and you know, always carry it the way you should, but which could, you know, determine some makes and misses just based off that. And yeah. you can always tell when it's that it's a, when you're trying to make it instead of just shooting it, letting the the muscle memory take over and not being in thought. So that's what
1: got you through some of the du- the droughts, I would
0: imagine. because I know when I come out, like I the numbers always the numbers will always even out. So like. I just got to keep taking my shots. Obviously, you want to be overly aggressive in those times because you, you're clearly trying to get through something. But I know coming out of that that if it was if, if it was a little if it was a little slump, it's going to even out. If it's a big slump, it's going to even out in a big way. Also, there's yeah. going to be eight, nine, ten a month of shooting forty two percent, forty four percent. Sometimes it's going to happen. It's going to bring me back around because I work too hard on it. I'm still doing those same workouts whether I'm making shots or not. How many times did you
1: tweak your jump shot while you're in the NBA? Was it a constant up and down thing? Cause I know like eventually, you know, towards the end you were getting your shot off really fast. Like it was like in a heartbeat. So was that something that you had to build towards or did you have a lot of
0: variance in your jump shot? That was definitely something that I, that we built. Um, like I was, I used to put my shot back behind my head a lot. I used to pull the ball down there behind my ear, which- Like Carlos Boozer. <laughs> Almost, no. Yeah, but um, now you imagine a guy doing that, but shooting from further back. He shot a lot yeah. of mid-range shots. Yeah,
1: that's true. So
0: that adds distance to my shot, so in order to make up for that distance, your shot gets flatter. So I took the arc out of my shot just from my release point hmm. because I have to basically sling the ball forward to make up for that space. Um. So the first thing we did was get that into a straight line in front of my body, figure out where the pocket was that the groove was that just felt good, that had everything in line. And then I just built reps off of that. And then once I got that, then we started to work on speed. And speed usually comes from just being ready a lot of the times. Um, So it was just, you know, being in a stance and figuring out how to read plays, like watching film. So like now in the game, the other reason I'm able to get shots out so fast is I know when the shots come in two passes before. Cause Mm -hmm. I know the defense's rotations. I know who the guy, the pass has got to go to before me, whether he's a shooter or not, whether they're going to close out or not. Um, so those are the things that's kind of be aware of on the floor that allow you to get those things. And then just being able to understand when you need to be on the move. The guy turns his head. I can't be in the spot that I was in when he looked away.
1: I guess the, the difference between I find with, I mean, obviously professionals versus, you know, someone else is that there's like a groove, like you mentioned group, the groove you take into a shot, but there's also, mechanics that have to be implemented within that groove, because I found like with Scotty Barnes, when I was looking at film of his jump shot that he had a groove to his jumper, which is good. But I also found his torso was like moving a lot. And that could be more of the groove that's happening, but he was lacking like the structure Mm -hmm. that has to be beside that to make sure that you're getting, you know, like you have a a shot that's going to be, I mean, fluid and it's going to go in. Is that a tricky thing too, for for jump shooters that you have to balance like groove versus structure?
0: Oh, I think on the move, especially like you're talking about, like, like he's a guy that has the ball in his hands. He's shooting off the dribble. That's why I think his pull up looks better just from, like you said, his torso moving him not being strong through his core to shoot. It's almost impossible to keep your shoulders stable with everything moving. Mm. And my shoulders being stable is what's going to allow me to pretty much lock in with my follow through and my elbow and everything else. So right. if, if I'm torqued in some type of way, then either something's got to get stronger or I got to do a bunch of reps like that to be able to shoot that ball. Because I know one of the things like for me in the corners, I practice shooting corner threes every type of way because it's such a shorter shot. So I wanted to give myself more opportunities to be able to shoot it. I wanted to be able to shoot it coming off of screens and not being all the way square, knowing knowing I was strong enough to get my shoulders around before my feet sometimes to be able to shoot that ball or, being able to be in a, a awkward stance and still shoot it fast, being able to catch bad passes—all of these things that go into the to the game that that happen on almost every play need to be prepared for.
1: I found that too when I was looking at film of your of your shooting. Is that in a lot of cases your feet aren't facing the basket. And well, they're, they're in a lot of different directions, but your torso, your shoulders are always square. It's like, I kind of find the same thing with clay Thompson too, that sometimes, I mean, he's got like a, a really unique uh, base and he's always has like his feet somehow, some way like facing towards the basket, but his torso and his shoulders, even yours too. Like it's always facing like sometimes one part of your legs is like one direction. And then your upper body is always towards the basket. That seems like a really thing. That's like the shot readiness that you were talking about.
0: Yeah, it's just repping it out, like, and it's repping stuff out at gang speed. I think that's another thing. Like, guys kind of get cool in the summer sometimes. Um, mm. and you can make twenty shots in a row when you just, you know, doing whatever, taking your time. Like, I can that's, that you just sitting there, like nobody's gonna ever regards so you. You never, never really get to. And, and then the better shooter you become, you definitely don't get shots. Like, that. yeah, like, that's the other thing I have to prepare for. The better shooter I became, the less open looks I got. So now I got to be able to make some shots with slight contest. I got to be able to figure out how to make space for myself even more. I got to be able to make space for myself even if the screen is bad. Even if I catch it late and the guy I face up, I got to be able to make him move his feet, whatever it is. There's all these things that you just got to keep compounding as you get better. It's like anything.
1: What's the most amount of threes you've made ever? Like practice? Whatever, like, have you ever had a case where you've counted how many you could make in a row?
0: I, I mean, we've done, you know, we've done stuff, but I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I mean, I've done some, I know there's some big ones and some good stuff that I've done. Like, uh, I made, I know there's a joke, you shoot a hundred threes, I made 88 of them. Um, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I've done stuff like, stuff like that. Um, but like, as far as just like in a row or whatever it may be, there's a bunch of, you know, 20s and 30s for sure just because we that's what we do every day we rip shots out yeah uh, at least a couple times a week there's big days where we just it's just a bunch of shots so um but i'm not sure about the numbers off the
1: but still though 88 out of 100 that's crazy
0: there was somebody um so that was i think the people that were in the in the company in their list that i know of that have done this drill. i think brent berry's made like 92 uh I think Jason Terry was another person who was high 80s, had made like 88, 89. Um, there's somebody else who has a big high number that I know of. Obviously, there's probably some other guys that got really high numbers, a lot of good shooters. But this drill, it's a pretty worldwide – I mean, I guess I'd say league-wide drill. A lot of guys do – San Antonio's is really big about it. Um, but, yeah, that's that's one of the good – I like to use it because it makes you shoot every type of shot.
1: What's the what's the drill? Like what are the details of
0: so, it? Um, so I can't I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, remember all the numbers where you break it down, but like say I'll shoot uh five threes stand still from the corner, then I'll shoot five threes of me like spreading out to the corner like I'm shooting off a screen, then I'll shoot five threes from me sliding down from the wing to the corner on the move, then I'll shoot five threes for me running out of the corner to the wing on the move, and then I was shoot five three threes in a row from standing still on that wing. Then I would back up the half court, run in, shoot five in a row from running the half court and back Jeez. like that. You know what I mean? And then you just add up. So you do both sides like that. And then you do, there's a few shots in the middle, like there's five off the dribble right, five off the dribble left until you get to a hundred. Um, and you just count the makes off of that.
1: Yeah, so even that there's variety in that one. Like I'm, I'm curious what a person like yourself could make. If you were just shooting threes, standstill, balls being passed you, like how many, I mean, it might be a tough thing for you to answer, but, like, how many do you think you could make of those kind of already?
0: Yeah, I could make a, a big number. I don't I don't know the, how to answer it, but, you know, I've, I've definitely gotten, like, just standing still in spots. I've gotten into the 50s. I've gotten into, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we've done, and then we do we do drills that me and George Hill do it a lot in the summertime when he's down here. We used to um, do drills where you can't miss two in a row, and those drills are the worst because me and him were, make each other cold because we both get a hundred plus threes and drills like that. Oh, geez. Lowry <laughs> kicks miles. Get oh, It's a tough shot.
1: How are workouts differently or different when you're a, uh, when you're a shooter? Because I would think that, I mean, it's obviously strength is a big part of it, but you have to be, it's like a combination of strength and cardio because you got to be able to um, maintain your balance while moving this way, that way, up, forward, back, whatever, but you also have to like ensure you're you know maintain the strength and the cardio as well.
0: So the biggest thing for me that we we had to do was to be able to you know like I said the better you become the better shooter you become the more you gotta compound the more you gotta find ways to challenge yourself. So the better shooter I become, us just shooting a certain number of threes from a spot doesn't do anything for me anymore. Yeah, because those are you getting to the point where you're just shooting layups. Like you get in the groove, there's gonna be days you've not gonna miss shots. So now we got to figure out. Like you said ways to implement the cardio, the footwork, um, the different situations. Um, the numbers will add up, so you know, we make shot series basically. So, they'll be like, Is uh, you're gonna run off this screen, make this one, then you're gonna get screened back to make a fade, and you're gonna run under the basket. Um, we're gonna pick a side, you're gonna come off. This one's gonna be mid-range, this one's gonna be a step back, and you're gonna, you gotta make four out of six. We're gonna make, we're gonna do that three times, mm-hmm. but what you have to make four out of six every time to make the one time count so you have to get three sets of that and then the next time we do it we add two more shots so now i do the same routine he's like now we're going to add this shot and this shot so now there's six out of eight you know what i mean so this is how we stack up the workout to put you in a bunch of series at a bunch of times so that footwork and that quick that forgetting a miss mentality has to be developed because we got to keep going mm-hmm.
1: how about strength training what's different about that as a shooter,
0: um, I think it's just a, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think it's the same. Um, I mean, not the same as like a big guy, obviously, like or like. But as far as just like you said, the the core strength, the a uh, lot of stability stuff. Obviously, you need that because if you want to be able to shoot on the move, you want to be able to get yourself mm. straight up and down. Um. Uh, the like you said, the cardio is the biggest thing. I think when you're playing like. Now, the way the game is up and down and lots of reps, lots of shots, lots of screens, lots of you got to chase that guy on the other end that's doing the same thing. So you got to be able to be able to make shots as the game goes. You know, you got to be able to be in some type of shape. Um, And then it's just um, I think just making sure that your 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 mobility is good. That's the biggest thing, for me because I think there was a time where. When the league was first starting to get small fours and I I was kind of ahead of that curve when I was in Indiana, so I was still guarding guys like I was still guarding Zach Randolph, I was still guarding Derek Favors, I was still guarding oh goodness, uh, <laughs> I, was still, I was guarding Dirk. I guarded KG. I guarded carl Anthony Towns. I guarded like I was so I after the first time doing it, I was like I gotta get bigger. Yeah, like, I gotta get like I gotta because I remember just coming home, my shoulders were hurt. Like I told my wife where I went for my sternum hurt from just guarding guys in the post and taking shoulders to the chest. Yeah. So the, the thing for me, I went that summer and got bigger and it, I, I didn't like it at all for what my strengths were on the other hand. Um, it just didn't allow me to move and be in the positions that I was before to get shots off and things like that. You don't see bulkier guys that do the things like you said, like Steph does, that do the things that, um, that, that's, uh, what's his name in Miami does. Uh, they got two guys that shoot the ball. Duncan soon, right?
1: Robinson, Max, Max Rose, Stroud, Tyler Proud, Hero, yeah.
0: Those guys that move that way bulkier.
1: Yeah. Man, today's NBA, like you're kind of made for this NBA. <laughs> <laughs> you're ahead of the curve, right? Uh, like yeah, the I mean, idea you of out. yourself, yeah. you know guarding Zach Randolph like that would be considered a mismatch nowadays but I guess back then they were trying to change uh, the style of play and unfortunately you had to take a lot of hits to your sternum yeah
0: and the only thing I didn't like because it was still new the we you didn't look at what we didn't we didn't even play offense the same it wasn't as free and as open so there wasn't always times where I could take advantage of my strengths against bigger guys having to guard me because Mm -hmm. we hadn't fully developed how we wanted to space the floor. We hadn't fully developed sets that would allow guys to be able to put themselves in a the position to make these switches and things happen all the time. We were still trying to run, you know, certain plays. It wasn't just so free where there's so much impro- improvising now on the floor that guys kind of just play off. It's like organized pickup now
1: a lot. High pick and roll, and then you just kind of roll from there, right?
0: You just figure it out and just play basketball. And it wasn't that free yet.
1: Hmm. How do you think shooting training has changed since um you were a rookie to, to now? Or have you seen like because I think probably you you probably had similar programs within some, you know, some tweaks within there, of course. But do you find that shooting training for some of the younger players is different from what you encountered?
0: Yeah, I just think because the game changed so it had to, you know, like the the volume of the of the three ball is as is, is high as ever times a thousand, probably. I don't know. Yeah. There's like not even close to what it used to be. Because I think about, like I said, Cal Kobe was on my team in Utah. And there weren't, I can't think of games where he was shooting 10 threes in games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and this is a guy who you know is a deadly three-point shooter. We didn't even have a lot of plays then for three-point shooters. Like, yeah. one, like now like we have all these intricate ways to get guys shots, the back screens and the screens and uh, slip and pick and rolls and all these things. The spacing wouldn't allow those things back in the day. Because we were still playing on the elbows. We were still mm-hmm. throwing to the bigs on the elbows and then playing at UCLA. And the court just seemed so much smaller back then. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the training is just more so the focus. Like, so now all the things that that shooters went and learned to become, to elevate themselves, these are like base things they're teaching guys. Like, it was like with Pascal. Lowry tosses it in. No! with just being able to make corner threes or just having the confidence to take the threes. We told him he was a certain percentage from three of, from turning his game, like into what it is now, not saying we deserve credit for that, but we just said it would open up so many things right now, because at that point he was playing so much more off the ball, like uh, Kyle and the still there. And um, so he was still figuring that part out. So like, we wanted to create more things for him without having in his hands. And, it was all footwork. It was just his base. It was just getting, being able to get down, get ready, when the pass is in flight, not always having to just catch a standstill three, and that changed a lot of things for a lot of guys when we worked on
1: it. And that's the playing on balance, which is really, really hard, you know, to to master because it's like a combination of your footwork, it's your core strength, it's your leg strength it's your arm strength. It's like everything. And that's why, I mean, I wanted to pivot to this because I want to get your, your take on this is do you think that movement shooting is kind of a lost art in the NBA? Because people like yourself who could just like come off a few screens or come off a pin down or be rolling around the baseline and just vault up for a shot. Kyle Corver, like you mentioned, it's kind of unfortunate. I don't see as many guys doing that. Miami dudes that you mentioned earlier, they're doing and it's a big part of their offense which I love but nowadays I don't know it's just the half-court offense if it feels kind of basic in some ways like excluding like a Golden State Warriors because they're a different beast but do you find movement shooting is a bit lost in today's NBA? Um,
0: I think it's just um, the way the game is played like a lot of guys don't have a need for it so that's why the guys that can do it separate themselves as shooters so quickly like the guys that can shoot off dribble handoffs coming full speed and running off screens full speeds and being able to get their feet down early and don't need as much space because they don't need as much time um those guys separate themselves so fast because now the game is like you said it's a high pick and roll we spread out we see where mismatches or the guys dancing just to break you down to kick out to a standstill guy there's not a lot of like you're not there's not a reggie miller in today's game like there's not a guy who's just playing the game off that way like just the rip hamilton type way just playing off the screens just playing from under the basket facing the ball like that's not that's not the way the game is played anymore
1: it's unfortunate man because i i find that nowadays like you mentioned the mid-range earlier and i equate it like this like you In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your
0: free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
1: Oh, you listen to Mob Deep, right? Yes. Survival of the fittest, only the strong survive? That's kinda how I view the mid-range now, because you have to have a certain kind of level of skill, and it's very hard to score from there because you just your opportunities and your advantages are gone. So are players not being, I mean, is it is it because players are so good nowadays, or is it because they're just not being taught to score from that area of the court?
0: Yeah. I think it's just like the emphasis that was not on the three as much as on it, and it's not on in the – mid. you know what I mean? Where we don't yeah. play in that space as much, and there's less shots. Guys take less shots, and you're playing a numbers game, obviously, so they want at the rim or threes, but just because of the percentages of what you get, because now I'm talking about three threes, three possessions is a 10-0 run. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. that's what we're rolling with. We want that. Like, <laughs> that's what we're going If you can't get at the rim, we want that, because that mid-range shot, like you said, there's a skill set to it because the guys that play in the isos and things you know helps come and doubles coming so the shots um tend to have a little bit more difficulty to them because they're not always going to be on balance they're always going to be a little bit faster there's always somebody else coming because there's not as much space between you getting yeah. by your man um they take or just one-on-one in a mid post it takes to level the footwork and and ball handling and and certain things to be able to do to be able to pick the ball up off the dribble and get into your shop pocket while fading to your right. Like yeah. those are going to be ripped out. And a lot of guys aren't even going to be that guy in the first place. We're not even going to put you in that situation. So why are we going to drill you on that? Mm-hmm. And that's, where is. that's why the summertime is so big for guys who are trying to develop and turn into guys that could be those type of guys for their teams. Because I'm not like – it. this is like the equivalent of like when I'm on a team with DeMar DeRozan in – Toronto,
1: yeah,
0: every day sitting in there like working on my mid post with him
1: hmm.
0: every day. When that's, I'm never going to be in that position on the floor. Real. He's yeah. going to be right, like, I'm never going to be in that space on this team. Like, this is not my role during the season. So, like, my coaches aren't going to, we're not going to do that after practicing, before practice. This not, we're going to watch the film and see the 10 shots you got and we're going to rep those. Yeah, that's yeah, what I we're going to do. Tomorrow is working on the mid range because tomorrow. That's his job. Exactly. Yeah, that's his job. So if you're my three and D guy, I'm not gonna turn you into an ISO guy. Not during the season. Yeah.
1: But then come playoff time, five seconds left. Where's exactly. the shot coming from? The exactly. mid range.
0: <laughs> exactly. And and then we also talking about five <laughs> seconds left. Somebody double teams it gets swung to you and you can't just catch and shoot now because you don't work on your game. You can't get a shot off in this position. either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now this is why the summertime is so important and which is why you got to be able to add these things to your game.
1: When I was watching the Dallas and uh, Phoenix series, sorry, the, I forgot who they played Dallas and warriors, obviously, geez, that's what it was. Um, And I was watching Luca and his, the players that he has around him, like they're talented players, right? But it's that ability to attack a closeout and to be able to create offense out of that situation. That's a very difficult thing. And there aren't that many players who can do that along with being that three and D kind of player. Like, it's a very rare skill set, and that's where I find, like we're talking about, that players have to have that ability because it's, a, it's not something that you can do during the season because you're in the season. But off season, like being able to not just like hit a three, open three, got to be able to create out of that shot for yourself, for your teammates, and that's where that footwork mid-range game really comes into play, and that's how you become really versatile.
0: And I think the other thing, too, though, there's a lot of guys who are way more talented than you would think, too. That have been known to just be able to kind of shoot the ball and fall into that role. That be- it also becomes kind of mental, like you just kind of fall into that role, mm-hmm. and it's not in the forefront of your mind. So, like you get in the game, you get in situations, and you don't react the same. You don't just let things flow. You react to, "Oh, I can't shoot it, so I better just pass it because yeah. that's what I'm supposed to be doing." And so it's a it's a, it's a it's a tricky space to be in because to. For the coaches to trust you to be able to do those things, you got to do it. Sure. But you've been put in this role of like, "Yo, what are you doing?" Like everybody's screaming if you start <laughs> juggling, you know. So it's a yeah, yeah. It's it, you just gotta you gotta you gotta pick your battles right. That's what it really. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, like all the shots for some players come from s- certain parts of the court. Like it's either three or it's the layups, but. I think people sometimes forget is that they are working on those shots in the mid range, but you got to have that confidence in yourself and from your coaching staff that they're going to let you take a, take that pull up, you know, 15 footer because they trust your work and you trust your work. And then all it has to get connected into the ball going in the hoop.
0: let <laughs> think about it. Would you shoot a high percentage of a shot that you've been told not to shoot? Exactly. How could you? Like even if you gotta open one, you're already thinking about you're not supposed to be shooting it.
1: Yeah. That's in your head. And then you know that, that if you that's... miss this shot, the like the bench is right there, and that's where you're going.
0: <laughs> it's that's that's the biggest part of the battle is just yeah. believing that in the first place.
1: Yeah. That's a tricky one. How do you feel about the now players shooting from like 30 feet. Did you feel that that, tri- that you were kind of doing that yourself, but the jumpers now are very different. A lot of guys are shooting from their chest versus above their head.
0: Um, I mean, obviously if you can make them, like it's like the, it's like the, the Steph thing, like the, these are shots that we had deemed bad shots for so long and then they became good shots for Steph. Decide not to use it, Curry, way down top.
1: Six
0: tenths of a second remaining. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, it's just about the work. It's about um, just repping things out, being in, put in situations. But I don't think you should just be hoisting them. I think guys that are really good floor spacers and stance shooters need to be able to extend their range now because of the way we play. That was the reason mine, that I did it. I needed to be able to extend my range, one, to get more space in for the players that um, – that are the ball, the ball handlers, the penetrators, or in pick and rolls, mm. or make more space for defenders have to help. So now you got to make a decision: you're gonna stop the dunk, or are you gonna stop me from getting the catch and shoot. Um, and that was my whole reasoning because I wanted to be it and to create more opportunities for myself to be able to shoot the ball. So if I can make this a good shot, that's you know that that'll add two threes to the game just because I can shoot it from two steps further back.
1: Yeah. When I was in uh, Charlotte for the All-Star game, I asked Dame Lillard.
0: Lillard, long-range three, and it's good! At the buzzer, Damian Lillard! Are you kidding me?
1: When did he decide that he was going to start shooting the ball from like well behind the three-point line? He's like, I started this in high school. Because mm-hmm. I because exactly what you're talking about He's like I just I saw the way the trend was going and I just I was being guarded so heavily. And I figured, well, I mean, if I just keep on inching closer and closer towards half court, theoretically, I'll be open. Right. <laughs> and so we just started hoisting them. And then, you know, the rest is history, I yeah, guess.
0: You want more than an open shot for your best player. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. <laughs> How important is uh, your handle when it comes to being a good pull up shooter?
0: I think ball handling is important for shooters. Like I know people like to think about like cuz now you watch the internet and you watch trainers on the internet and they're doing all the crazy stuff and they're like you know that's not basketball. I think that stuff is to challenge your handle so you feel more comfortable with the ball in your hand.
1: Mm-hmm. For me,
0: I start every workout with ball handling because the more comfortable the ball feels in my hands, the more ways I can get the ball into my shot pocket without fumbling and feeling uncomfortable with the ball like so per se like we talked about a bad pass a bad pass comes down to my knees but I have good hands that I've trained to be able to find grips on the ball in any type of way you know or to be able to pick the ball up off the dribble if I slightly lose it or like I said I got to create a shot with two or three seconds on the clock I need to be able to get that ball from the floor to my shot pocket yeah I need to be able to do that 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 helps with speed um and that's why I believe in ball handling for shooters so much because it's got to feel like I—I I don't want to be thinking about how the ball feels in my hands when I got all these other things I'm focusing on. Like I—that I, should be certain. Like it should hit my hands, and I should feel good. I don't have—it don't have to be on the seams. It don't have to be because I—I practice every type of way I can put that ball up.
1: Yeah. Do you still have C.J.'s PJs?
0: I have a couple pairs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, because we just moved, so I actually just found some like moving in a box and we had a good laugh about
1: it. Yeah,
0: did you enjoy
1: the nickname CJ Kilometers or were you like, that's a bit much?
0: It was funny, <laughs> Like I, I, it makes sense, like, I, it's, it's a lot to say, it's long, yeah, like, it so. is, <laughs> but um, like, you know, it um, it it it, it makes sense, I guess, like,
1: yeah, yeah. It's I,
0: Okay, Matt Devlin, he's a,
1: he's a, he's one of the goats, so it wasn't a problem for him to to get that out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah for
0: sure. Yeah. Definitely to him, yeah,
1: I want to ask you about some of the other uh, your bench mob members because, well, first off, when I thought about that bench mob, and it was so unique, and the reason why I felt I felt it was so unique, not not just because of your, like your defense and the hustle that you guys played with, but also. I found that you were actually, when it came to the half court offense, like you were the focal point and it was like your gravity as a shooter coming off screen. People are just like looking around this way, that way, like where's CJ? And then from there, a lot of the half court offense was able to f- be figured out. And then Fred's getting open looks. Pascal's getting open looks. Your take on, not, I'm not to put, sorry, any controversy, but like, what do you feel like your role was with the, the benchmark?
0: I mean, it was that. Like, obviously, it was a experience thing. I had the most experience of those guys and just kind of being a leader. And all I ever did was encourage them. Yeah, like, That was yeah. it. Like, I don't want people to think that, like, people always – sometimes people talk to me like I had so much to do with those guys turning another corner. I, those guys were who they were when I got there. Sure. Like, the only thing I did was scream at them for not shooting the ball or for <laughs> not being aggressive. Or for not, you know what I mean? I just instilled – more my confidence in them to give more of it. Like that's all. And that's and we believed in each other. We played unselfishly. Um but like as far as you said, yes, I, I tried to carry that threat. That was my role because and I was good because those guys, Delon and Fred, were great penetrators because Yak was yeah. a great screener. So like and then Yacht got layups because I was a shooter. I would catch it and they jump out and I'd be able to get bounce passes to them and get pocket passes to them. Same with Pascal. So everybody's strengths just, just it just melded. And, and it just kind of happened organically. We spent a lot of time in the gym together from the second I got there. Um, and, you know, we did everything. We shot together after practice, before practice. We ripped all our plays out together. Obviously, when we scrimmaged, we scrimmaged Vince mob against, if like you want to call it that, the second unit against the first unit. Like, we, were, we yeah. did, and we competed. We made those guys better. They made us better.
1: With a few of these uh, rapt, current Raptors, Fred, Pascal, and OG, I wanted to get your take on your first impressions first impressions and how that's correlated to where they are now. So Fred Van Vliet, what was your first impression when you met Fred and how do you think that's translated to where he is now?
0: The biggest thing is that, you know, the reason I called him steady, like I called him steady Freddie because like he didn't, nothing rocked him. Hmm. Like nothing, nothing sped him up, nothing changed his approach. And that comes from a lot of things, you know, his mentality off the floor. Um, the, the route he had to get – he had to go through to be even there when I got there, you know, he's, like, at this one, like, what's harder than that? You know what I mean? We just – I'm in the game now. Like, this is the easy part. Like, this is what I wanted. So, yeah. um, I always saw that from him. He always – he always he always carried himself in a way where you knew, like, I wasn't worried about him. Like, I wasn't worried of him going in a slump or making a bad play if it was going to mess him up for six games or nothing like that. You know, like, never – he was always gonna be who he is.
1: Were you the one who started calling him Steady Freddy? Yes. I had no idea about that. That's still said these days. Did you know? He still calls Steady Freddy.
0: I didn't
1: know that. No. Wow, and it started with CJ Miles. See the things you learn. That's crazy. What about Pascal?
0: Pascal was just like wait P skills. Sorry. Like yes, P skills. Yes. So that was it. You know what I mean? Like we are, we used to always joke like he'd make a play. He'd, screaming from the bench he's got too many skills like because he just had the potential to be anything you know what I mean like you see a guy who can run jump doesn't get tired handle getting better great instincts he defends he competes he passes like he's literally got the potential to be anything and like I said he was that when I got there we just encouraged him to be more open to those situations we encouraged him to shoot open threes we encouraged him to put the ball on the floor. Like then the coast to coast stuff started happening. Like mm. the spin move was always there. Like like this always. is not, it was literally just work. It was reps and confidence. Like and they go hand in hand. But that was all all it ever was.
1: He took a real jump this year and I mean, I took I say that in the sense that I think people were a little bit too down on his past couple of years because I don't think they're really that bad, but the jump he made this year as we're talking about the mid-range was I found the mid-range is that he was able to hit, he had a lot of more dribbling combinations that he would be able to implement into mid-range shots. Fair?
0: Yeah. But i I also think like, I think he's like, to talk about like the down, the down years, the air quotations. Like, um, yeah. like when you're looking at it from the outside, like people just, they're, they're, on, they're only gauging from the, the near history. Yes. Not looking at it as a whole or they're just looking at the last game. I watched he was one for 12. You know what I mean? Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: everybody's is like they're there. The fan ride is, is, is as crazy as, as anything, you know what I mean? Like because they're emotionally charged by every moment and the player has to look at it so differently. Yeah. And that's where the disconnect is. I think when they hear, sometimes they hear God talk about, he's going to be all right. Cause he is. Cause he's thinking about the fact that I'm going to play a hundred games this year. Exactly. Like the the fan, no, the, like they're thinking about last night fan duel and, and, <laughs> and like, or the bet they made, whatever it is, you know what I mean. Which is there, which is that's that's part of the game too. Not knocking or anything, that's part of it. But I'm just saying, like that's the the difference in it. And sometimes people just and then the season ends. They was like, well, he still averaged twenty something, and you know what I mean. And yeah, exactly. people didn't realize the wins and
1: losses and how it translates to how a player is viewed, I find is uh, one of the biggest reasons why Pascal, for instance, got way too much criticism over his you know, the bubble the bubble season and uh, the Tampa season is that because the Raptors weren't winning, that just was automatically deemed that he wasn't playing well. Meanwhile, I mean, a different team, uh, different strategies, different roster players, different freaking country and that all translated to him potentially not having as strong of a year, but I also found that he was making small strides within his game. And When you are already this good, there's not going to be like this massive jump all the time. It's going to be like small incremental
0: progress. Yeah. I also think like that's the price you pay for becoming the man also. Mm And that just goes with it. Like the team's not playing well. The first thing I'm going to think about is the best player on that team. Yeah. Like that's everybody. Like that's the first thing you're going to look at. Like what is he doing to... And sometimes it isn't always scoring like it isn't always like you see guys who have been these prolific scores for so long and they can't really figure out like that next step. And then all of a sudden the year they average eight assists instead of three, everything changes. Yeah, because it's literally just those three or four extra passes that changes the way the game is played. Mm. And a fan is not looking at it that that's on that small of a scope like. They just they just know we're winning now. He must be playing well. Like, you know what I mean? It's not looked at as he just literally made a dump ball pass for one of the young bigs to get a dunk, and now that guy plays better the whole game. Exactly. Not looked at that, that small. And it's hard to when you're just watching the games, like, for a pure entertainment. You're not breaking it all the way down like that all the time.
1: What did you uh, – what stood out to you about his – this past season from him?
0: Um – he was, le- he was less up and down about him not playing well than he was the year before. And I know there was a lot of things going on. That, you know, he had some things that weren't so just basketball going on. Obviously, it affects, like, the yeah. emotion and how you feel. But, like, I noticed that, like, if he did struggle, struggle a little bit or, like, when I was at the game in San Antonio watching him make a, miss a pass or miss a play, miss a shot, it wasn't this whole it – it didn't, it didn't weigh on him. Yeah. And I think the year before, I think I could see it on him some nights like he was just having he was fighting with himself, you know, like because he was like, I, I got to He's trying to claw his way out and he's hitting himself across the head because he's not doing it in one play. And I didn't see that this year. Like he he just believed in his work and he talked about that, you know, and he does work. That's one thing he does. Um, and it's just, you know, all right, I was three for whatever tonight. But the next day I'm coming back, I'm going to figure out the little things I didn't do that's going to get me going and I'm going to be the all-star again. I'm going to be the all-star that night. Like, yeah. it's, it's nice like
1: that. I feel like next season is going to be his, his best one yet. That's my feeling with him. I think he's really found something. And as you said, you know, being able to silence the noise as a star player, being able to block that out, very important to success. And he's harnessed that a little bit, so I think he's going to be just, just fine. Last one I, for you. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I was about to say, I think guys that care, the level that he cares, like, that takes a transition yeah, because well, he's a guy who everybody loves, and he wants everybody to love him, and, I, and and as everybody does, you know what I mean. And he goes out of his way to, to be a good. He's like a very uh, good-hearted person. Not that a lot of guys aren't. I'm just saying I know this personally about him.
1: Yeah. Last one, OG, <laughs> OG Ananobi. What were your first impressions of him, and how has that translated to who, young OG? Prince Ananobi because he's a prince around here. Yeah. That's he's what we call. Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts uh, on him?
0: He is different. That was the first thing, you know. But I, um, yeah, like I always try to, you know, fill out the uh, young guys, try to make a relationship if I can with them because I like I was the youngest guy on my team for three years, <laughs> like because of the rule being made after. So now everybody after me that came was older than me, even after. the so. So, I know what it's like to kind of be that 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 little bit of separation like of like i just being young um so i always i just try to make him feel comfortable like you here for a reason, just remember that first, like don't let that there's gonna be a little bit of you know the the joking, messing with you because you're the young boy that's part of like just um part of the road, but he um he's very uh he's he's very intrigued by by the by the game by like he's always trying to learn mm. and that's what and he's, he has a mind like that for everything but that was the first thing i i picked up from like he wanted to know he wanted to be better he wanted to know why vets got like he wanted he was like why do vets now have to do this and i gotta do that it wasn't because he wanted to be a vet he wanted to skip the process he was just like well it should be even like it wasn't it wasn't about anything yeah. but that um because he was like well i did this and i should be able to do that and he and that was the one thing that was funny about it, because he always would be like, "Well, I played this many minutes last night. I shouldn't have to do this." Like, yeah, but also,
1: <laughs> like, you
0: know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, but he has developed tremendously. Um, like that, he's put things in his game that that I didn't even see when I was there. As far as like the his ball handling has gotten so much better. Um, his shooting got better rather quickly, but I think that was that's they do a good job up there working on that and that's that was even mm-hmm. that was a little easier thing to fix but like just his recognition of he's posting up now he's a he's a freak athlete like he's yeah. strong long fast like he and then he's got a little edge that's grown in him like you see him getting a little chippy on the floor you didn't see that a lot before and uh he's not back he, there's no back down in him and i think that's fun to see when he's going to be guarding the best guy on the floor you know
1: yeah sure I didn't, um, I said, I was going to ask you about some of those Raptor players from your years there, but I asked, I didn't want to ask you about Scotty Barnes I kind of have to, because okay. yeah. he's just, he's just, he's a different kind of beast. And yeah. that's the reason why you and I end up connecting. So first question is, why is it harder for him perhaps to have a really stable, established, consistent jumper than perhaps someone else?
0: I don't think perhaps I think just like there's just factors that roll him that he's just learning still. Like, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. never he does not have to he's never had to lean on it um as much either, like the position he's in, because now if you're a four, you're a stretch four. Like everybody's every four is a stretch. You're a five essentially. <laughs> you're not just a shooter. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Just the position you're on the floor is different. And I think um I think not coming like he didn't come in as a shooter, like so like. Only guys I feel like that carry confidence like that as a shooter coming into the league right away are like real scoring shooting guards. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like guys that this is what they do. Like he came in with a plethora of things that he does. And I think the the shooting is just catching up to him recognizing shots, recognizing when to take threes or when not to, or playing closeouts and the spacing that he has to play in yeah. and how he can get them and the guys he's playing with. You still remember like this is, to play this many games with these guys like he's learning like this is the start of the ground floor for this team that they have now Hmm. and um there's just like reps that are going to come now and then it's just a flat-out confidence from finishing the season like that just experience minutes games air balls great games you know what I mean like all all of that all the emotions that come with it all the time that's got to be put in the correct things like figuring out how to take care of your body through a season. You never play this many games. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things that go into yep. this. And that's why you see so fast in the summer, him being able to make the type of strides he's made in his shot because he's like, okay, like he, he, he's okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. He, he probably knew more, most of the things that were on the list that they were going to give him at the exit meeting before he even, before hmm. he even had to go sit down with coach because he was, he seems like the type of guy that just wants to work. So he's probably already texted his trainer, like already texted his his guys like that I'm coming home and we're going to get to it.
1: Sure. How are exit interviews? How do they work? I've always been curious about that.
0: I mean, it's literally just like, I mean, I never had another job besides basketball. (laughs) But I would imagine it's like you sit down with your boss and they pretty much tell you like, you know, things you want to improve. They thank you for the things you did well, like, I and mean, then y'all have it's a conversation like you yeah. know you talk about things they want to know what they can do better obviously as coaches and in front of the office and things that can help players because they want to maximize your talent so it's it's literally I mean how you would think you know and then there's a talk about what you want to add what we want to do I mean some free agents extra meetings probably a little different you know because you're not going to be under contract so they're
1: a little you know. quieter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or it's like we'll see you in you know July or hope you'll be back or hopefully you'll be back or yeah. there's nothing said cuz you're not coming back you mightn't even have the examine if you're not coming back like <laughs> it depends,
1: like yeah after his rookie season cuz like you talked about there's a lot of different transitions that have been going on for him as he's uh, acclimating to becoming an NBA player what are your impressions of his season from like top to bottom what makes you go what are your takeaways
0: from it the big thing is, too, though, also talking about that, like, he's going to learn from, like, but you watch him and you don't look at him and think, like, man, he's he's far away from it. He, he doesn't look like a rookie. He didn't look shook. He didn't look like he was out of place and things yeah. like that. It's just you just look at – I'm just looking at him knowing that there's so much more he's going to get better at, which is the scary part, really, hmm. because he was really, really, really good. Um, great enthusiasm. He plays – he competes super hard. Like, he loves to play, and you can see that. Like, he's always cheesing, always screaming. Um, he's excited about the game. And I think that's, especially now with a lot of young players, that's one thing that you are excited to see from a young guy. Cause there's a lot of basketball players now that don't like to play basketball. Like (laughs) they do not like to be in the gym. Um, Yeah. Like having a guy with that amount of talent that likes to be in the gym is, it's kind of like the Pascal situation. Like he's really got the potential to be anything. And he's more polished now than Pascal was at this stage. Like, he's got more stuff in his game already, a little bit more skillful. Obviously, like, the time he's coming in, that stuff is phrased more, like, and the situations are different. But still, Mm. um, he's got a lot to him. And the competitive edge, like, with that skill set is what gives him the potential to be, you know, perennial, all-star, great, 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 long, long career.
1: Yeah, sure. The amount of players that I heard, like not just any players, but like Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, saying this guy is going to be special. Like, that's not a word that's thrown around all the time.
0: Especially about those guys, because you got to think about the competitive nature, also. Sure. Like, you know, all right. Like, supreme competitors to be at the level mm-hmm. there. They're not going to talk about a guy like a young guy like I. Nah, he, nah he not. You know, I mean, are not going to give him a special tag for no reason.
1: Yeah. Trivia time for you trivia time for cj miles you ready for two questions just two um they're they're about you i want to know if you remember when your career high points was who was against how many points all that
0: i remember rough i don't remember the exact year but it was against minnesota it was 40 um and it was because it was it was around my birthday so that's what i remember it was like Like the sixteenth or the on the other side of my birthday, one of them. I know it's like somewhere in that space, close to my birthday, close to March eighteenth, because I remember being just being excited. That that I just remember that time so well because it was close to my birthday, also. Um,
1: yeah, that's what it was. Forty points, March sixteenth, twenty eleven. Oh. Utah Jazz versus the Timberwolves. You hit six threes and shot fourteen of eighteen.
0: Damn was a fun night that was a fun night i remember that night and i remember uh, checking out of the game in the second quarter and coach Corbin screaming at me like i was playing terrible (laughs) (laughs) because i was like why is he yelling at me because i'm so like then i can't really grasp what he's saying and then when i finally sit down he's like don't have a good night have a great night so he was really trying to encourage me to keep oh i see (laughs) but i only heard the yelling when i was coming off the floor because i'm like trying to stay in that space yeah you know (laughs) But, yeah, it was – everything was there. Lauren was there. My wife – well, my girlfriend at the time was there because she had came to see me for my birthday. Like, that was a special time.
1: Oh, you showed out in front of the girlfriend too.
0: That must have helped. That happened more (laughs) times than I I care to admit. Like, I didn't think that it was what was happening, but it definitely happened. Do you remember, like, the feeling around that game or when you were in it? Are you just, like, so locked in where you feel like the basket (laughs) is the size of the ocean? (laughs) So, like, the biggest thing for me is that I remember like the play, but I remember not thinking. I remember like that's like ultimate freedom to me. It's like the best feeling because like I'm just reacting to everything. Mm. Like everything is just coming in. Like as I see it, I'm I'm doing what what the flow is telling me to do. He's too sure. far shot, closed out, drive right, whatever whatever it is. Like however the screen is happening, however the the pass has got to be made. Like I'm just seeing it so slowly because I'm just. Like it's weird because it's constant motion, but it's, I'm still like, it's like, I'm just deflecting what's happening. Really? Like, you know what I mean? Like oh, I see, yeah. I'm, and I'm just stepping to the side or he's too far back. And so he does, deserves, he deserves, deserves a shot. Like, it's not really a flurry of any type of way. And
1: everything's just working.
0: Yeah. Everything's just working. Yeah. Like it's like every, it's like I did a workout that scripted the game before the game and I knew what was going to happen almost. It's like that type of feeling.
1: Other question I had for you is, What's the most amount of threes you have made in an NBA game? And who is it against all that?
0: Oh, in Cleveland, 10, I believe. Yes. 10. Yep. It was against Philly. Yes. Because the last three was against LaVoy Allen. He ended up being my teammate in India, and I talked to him about it. That's why I remember. <laughs> um, and also because I remember, like, I think it was the next year or whatever, like Twitter's going crazy or the year after and Kyle Reed's about to break the record. And they're like, people are like tweeting me and calling me and texting me. And like, he beat it. Yeah. Um, like, but yeah, I definitely remember that night. That was the same type of thing. Just no thought. But I can I can remember all the shots from the game.
1: Really? Yeah. That was January 7th, 2014. 10 threes, 34 points. And as you said, it was the Cavaliers versus the 76ers. What did you talk to Lavoy Allen about?
0: <laughs> nah, I just just let him know, like that, like I was being just joking with him because we were literally sat beside each other in the locker room in Indiana. Like, we yeah, had a good and he's a anybody that knows the boy. They'll tell you he's a he jokes. He is the one of the funniest people I've been on a team with, and we just um, just you know just teasing him about it, like just thanking him for letting me set the record type thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm guessing there was no hard feelings when Kyrie no.
0: passed it. No, of course
1: not. Yeah. You guys and
0: don't roll like that. Actually, the game was out of hand, too. So, like, it wasn't like it was a three to win the game or something. He probably – the game was over. <laughs> like, we were yeah. up. <laughs> I don't know This, is, mean, this before is the process. What's that? This is before the process in Philly. There's no – there's no – this. is
1: <laughs> Yeah, so those are the dark days. That's how they got the process. <laughs> That's
0: how we start. the real started. We were both in the dark days. There's yeah. no problem.
1: There
0: yeah. Those are the dark days. This is the – shaping of Kyrie and Tristan and the young guys. And then that team is like trying to figure out where they're going.
1: There you go. This has been a lot of fun, CJ, man. I thank you so much for giving me all kinds of time, being very gracious about it. What's, uh, what's on the horizon for you? What's going on? What's next? Tell the Um, peoples.
0: I mean, I'm just, I'm really just enjoying life, man. I'm just what's in front of me. I I tackle it, you know, like nice. I'm working out, playing basketball and still being in the gym. I'm still in shape, you know, um, opportunities to play as they come. Like, I'll look at them. I do want to play. You know, I I did the 10-day. I got the 10-day in Boston for being with Ignite, you know. um, And I felt like that was, like, the worst thing that could have happened because it gave me the even bigger itch than I had before I got to that, you know. Um, But I was still in a space where I was just getting really back in the groove of my body, feeling the way I wanted. Because, like I said before, the minor surgeries, like, they weren't – they were minor, but they just took time. Sure. And that, um, to, they just took time to heal, and that time down, like just from not being able to play, just having to build the body back up the way to the shape that I want to be in, to do what I do, just took time. Also, you know, um, and then I, of course I get the ten day gets gets COVID, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, all you know, that like, happens like, exactly. Like, but, um, but yeah, man, I'm just. Just enjoying it, man. man. I'm just moving as long as I can, playing as long as I can, having fun, raising my kids. Like I'm, I really life's good. <laughs> I'm happy.
1: That's nice. That's awesome. Um, G League night uh, this season coming up. What do you think?
0: Is uh, that- I don't know. We definitely talked about it. Me and Rod strictly talked about it before I left. Um, it's definitely, a, it's definitely, you know, on. On my list, like right in front of me, is definitely one of my options that I, I really would consider. wanting to be back because yeah. I feel like the difference you can make to help those young guys is is really big for guys getting ready to go into mm-hmm. the league. You
1: know, no question. And, and uh, play because <laughs> you're not done. There's no question about that. You're not done with your playing days. You still got plenty left in the tank. And uh, who knows what happens in the world, man? Who knows? People think I'm
0: 42 years old. That's the problem, too.
1: Yeah, you're only 34,
0: right? I just turned 35. There
1: so you go. like. Okay. Yeah. we'll see how it goes man thank yeah. you so much for all your time um it was much appreciated this was a very informative um, i hope the people like it i think they will because you got yourself a a brilliant shooting and basketball mind so thanks cj man this was awesome
0: thanks a lot man thanks for having me. when you make decisions
1: for your company you look for the no-brainers